Football. My name is Daniel Dopp, joined by Liz Loza. Today's show <gasps> is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you can save Liz. So great to have you here. It is just you and I today. We're going to be talking about the Super Bowl, all the things that happened. We're going to look ahead and do a mock draft. Field is not here because he already did first draft. So you know what? Go ahead and check out first draft. Field Jates and Mel Kuyper Jr. already came out today. They help us make sure that we know which rookies we want to be able to draft coming up in fantasy in 2024. So make sure you go check that out. But Liz... You've been here for a while. A couple of days. It's great to see you. Thank you. It's, this is the first time I'm seeing you since I've landed. I know. How has, like, when you're at Super Bowl festivities, you were a, a, a fly on the wall here in Bristol. This yeah. is not your normal home. How were your Super Bowl festivities? Did you have fun watching the game or, or was I it? I did. I had a great time. Okay. I worked um, ESPN Bet Live in the morning with our colleagues, Mike Clay, obviously, and Tyler Fulgham. And then Tyler and I did a post game show yep. on the digital platform, which. We are on Which again was right what we're now. On, yeah. um, and it was really fun to watch the game with a bunch of colleagues and have football takes and also fun takes. Um, last year was the first year in a while I hadn't gone to the game. Oh. So I will take working the game. I love Super Bowl Sunday. Like I wake up and feel such, this is gonna be cheesy, No, but it's almost Valentine's Day. Like <laughs> such a privilege to have this job on a day like the Super Bowl. And I'm mm. like, let's like, I posted a picture that said, may your wings be hot, may your beer stay cold and may all of your bets hit. Um, let's have ourselves a Super Bowl. It is like, yeah. it is like my Christmas. It feels like the culmination of all of the work that we have been privileged enough to get to do. And then we get to celebrate it. So working a Super Bowl to me is the hap, even if I'm working, I don't care. I was really depressed last year when I like wasn't working it. And I was like, just drinking and eating wings with my family. Not that I don't love my family, but it was like, not going to read into that. Of course. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think one of the things that was interesting to me is the idea that when you look at, uh, the way that this game played out and the way that I feel like we thought the game was going to be, it started out a little bit slow for me, Sure, but then it really started to hit, especially once you got into, you know, fourth quarter and overtime, yeah. it was like, this is a totally different ball game than where we started. So understanding that this was not the you know, normal way that you would watch the game. However, I do want to ask you this one last thing. I'm on the East Coast. I've basically only ever oh, been on the East Coast. Yeah. What's it go. like watching a football game in California where you get some time after a game is over? Fantastic. Also, I can watch it with my kids and my family and them. Because they can stay up that late. they can stay up that late. That is the best part. You can still have enough time to like work out in the morning so that you're not too worried about all the wings you're going to have, but then not go to bed and be completely wrecked on right. Monday. Ugh. We finished up the post-game show. Tyler and I finished the post-game show and it's like 1130 at night. And I was like, I'm supposed to go to bed now? And like, you're wired. I'm completely wired. And that was an incredible overtime experience. I did oh, feel man. like the Super Bowl reflected the halftime show in that it started a little bit slow. I was like, why is Usher wearing a zoot suit with all of these Cirque du Soleil performers? What is happening? Why is Isaiah Pacheco fumbling? Like, I, how is any of this? This is not Patrick Mahomes. This is not the Usher that I know. Great question. And then... Ooh, Alicia Keys came out mm. and then MVS came out. There you go. And it was like a tide change. <laughs> and girl, there was some love in the club. There was. It was. It got quite a bit better after that. Uh, one thing I do want to say, I stand by this every single year. I don't know what other night in America, other than every four years, election night. Olympics, where, I hope you mean, not election nope, night. No, uh, election night. 
where so much of the country is tuned into one singular program, watching it like the entirety of the time. Because people don't do that. You talk about basketball, it's a seven game series. Baseball, World Series is over. Mm -hmm. Like no one, I don't think there's another night where people are tuned into their television so seriously on a yearly basis. Why is today not a holiday? Today should be a national holiday. It is for us in fantasy and those of us that love football. And we got to stay up until 1130, midnight at least. And then you want us to come down? After that overtime? Yes. Are you kidding me? Also, this is America's sport, and we are in an election year to your earlier process. So if somebody wants to win my vote, they best get on this Monday after Super Bowl holiday. I am with you on that. All right, let's take a look back at the game really quickly. Kansas City Chiefs won this one 25-22 in overtime. There were some questions about the overtime rules. Maybe we didn't all totally fully understand how they worked in the playoffs. You mean Kyle Shanahan, number one. correct. I want to say I have to shout out Tyler Fulgham. Again, we were watching this live here. And when Fred Warner's like, yeah, we'll receive, he looked at me. He's like, I don't think that's the right choice. And we talked about it, you know, just offline between the two of us. And it did seem a little bit weird, especially for a coach as cerebral as Uh Kyle Shanahan. Yep. I totally agree with you. That was that was a decision. And I'm sure something that is going to be talked about a bunch quickly, though, I want to talk about. Let's start with the Chiefs. Okay, I want to start with them. They were the winners. Patrick Mahomes looked fantastic. Oh, threw for over 300 yards. Here is my question for you, Liz Mm -hmm. Loza. We saw him look good here in the in the Super Bowl. He looked like the classic Patrick Mahomes that we've expected Mm -hmm. this year, though, across the season. Quarterback one was Josh Allen. Quarterback two was Jalen Hurts. Quarterback three was Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes was quarterback 12 on a per game basis. So when you look ahead. Coming out of the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes doing all the Patrick Mahomes things. Is he a top three quarterback in 2024 in your rankings? And if he is, who gets the bump out of the top three? So this is where football fans and fantasy players need to negotiate the space between winning games and winning fantasy titles. Yep. Because Patrick Mahomes putting on the cape and the putting the team on his back and doing the impossible and having the and having his coaches utmost trust mm-hmm. does not win you a fantasy championship. There's too much math involved. You mentioned that he was the QB 12 overall in fantasy points per game. The number was 17.5 fantasy points per game. So no, he's not in my top three. Um, I do think that I would have, uh, who do I, I just had him. So it's Josh Allen for me, yep. Jalen Hurts, yep. Lamar Jackson. Okay. And then maybe Mahomes or Joe Burrow. That's sort of where I'm at. Yeah. Yep. Because a healthy Joe Burrow, by the way, I think he's going to feel a dip because so many, it's going to be the burn factor for him heading into next year. Like, oh, I won't take him. He burned me last year, right? So he'll dip. But would I like Joe Burrow, a healthy Joe Burrow, especially after we see what happens with T. Higgins mm, ahead of Patrick Mahomes? Maybe. I mean, the, the, I got to see what happens with the Chiefs passing. As well. Yeah. Well, like yeah. those wide receivers and all their pass catchers going to make a big difference. But in the way that we watched Patrick Mahomes be utilized this year and the way that he helped run this team, I think that I'm with you. I don't see Patrick Mahomes as a fantasy top three no. quarterback right now. Maybe they add somebody in the offseason and it's like, okay, well, now with Rasheed Rice and the guy that they add and Travis Kelsey is still going to be good. We'll talk about him in a mm-hmm. second. Maybe that helps elevate Mahomes a little bit. But I think what you talked about is spot on. There is a major difference between going out there to win football games and going out there to win fantasy championships. And for a long time, Patrick Mahomes was able to do both kind of. Mm-hmm for fantasy managers and for real NFL, this year was not that same way. And so looking at this roster, seeing how they're going to move forward, that is a really big question for me. Mahomes, though, like I said, 
unbelievable in the oh. in the Super Bowl. He was fantastic. I, I don't know what else to say about him last night. He had three multi-touchdown games over his last seven efforts between weeks 11 and week 17. Just three where wow. he managed more than one touchdown. That's just not enough points. Nope. He did use his legs a little bit last night, which sure. we've seen him do, but like, I'm, I'm with you. That's not consistent enough though. He's not a mobile guy. Okay. Well, let me ask you about this then. Let me ask you about Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey looked fantastic last night. And we, I feel like this is one of those things. Second half of the season, yep. he started coming around playoffs, especially he was a, like high volume target. He was utilized. It was obvious that Patrick Mahomes was locked in on him in spite of the fact that we had said Rasheed Rice has been mm -hmm. this guy for a long time within this offense. So looking at Travis Kelsey, this week, nine catches for 93 yards, mm -hmm. 10 targets. I mean, he was awesome again in the Super Bowl. From a Super Bowl perspective, I don't know what else to say. I want to look at him for next year. But yeah. tell me what you thought about for the Super Bowl. So you have to negotiate the space between playoff Travis, postseason mm -hmm. Travis, and regular season Travis. Because, yes, you are absolutely right. We talked how much did you and I and Field all say that Rasheed Rice was now the number one target in Kansas City. We said it a bunch. That did not stay the, I mean, granted he was a rookie, but that did not stay the same. That narrative did not click into the postseason because Patrick Mahomes was like, no, I'm going to do when the lights are the brightest and the stakes are the highest. Give me the guy that I know is absolutely clutch. Now, Travis Kelsey is in a decline. Like, I don't think we can deny that he is nope. not at his peak anymore. He's coming off of though, again, playoff Travis, just completions versus attempts in his three wins, 21 of 22. Wow. 21. What efficiency. Seriously. Absolutely incredible. Over the regular season, though, this past 2023, he managed the fewest number of touchdowns, just five since 2019. Wow. Just not the scoring factor he was. So I think next year, and I got a question to follow this, but yeah, next I year, I think we're going to have a situation where we're going to say to ourselves a couple of times, wow. That was a classic Travis Kelsey game. Yeah, classic though. But it is a classic Travis Kelsey game. It is no longer the current game that Travis is going to give you week in and week no. out. I don't believe that. So when you look at him, do you think that you're going to have Travis Kelsey in your top five? In my at the top tight end five, position? yes. But we are going to be saying, and I think you'll like this, wow, that is such a Laporta showing Uh huh. and a classic Travis Kelsey game. Agreed. One is on the up. The other is on the decline. Yep. Sam Laporta will be the tight end one overall in fantasy next year. I've got Travis Kelsey right at tight end five for what it's worth. Wow. I got four other people in front so of him. So you have like Andrews. I know we're going to talk about some other players later, but like you have Andrews. Who else? Laporta, Trey McBride, TJ yeah. Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. Got Hawkinson even coming uh, and, up. And Hawkinson, I got to like, that's, again, we're way too early as a part of these rankings, but right. if he comes back and he's fully healthy, we'll see how the off season goes. That's the one I think could maybe shift and could push for me, push Travis up into that top four spot. But I, I, the problem for me, and it's not a problem, it's an awesome thing. We saw some young tight ends and some tight ends that have, you know, not been superstars mm -hmm. do some things this year. Correct. And so I think that there is a little bit of the Trey McBride, the Dalton Kincaid, the Sam Laporta, like those guys are on the up and up. And I, I think we're going to, again, Brock Bowers is going to come in this year. I don't think he's going to necessarily be a huge guy, but we saw two rookie tight ends be really good this year. So there is at least a handful of guys. It is no longer just the Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews at the top. And then a, a big drop drum, excuse me, drop off yeah. from everyone else. I think that is a much closer bucket now. And the fact that Travis is in the mix rather than at the top of it. That's well, I I'm think at. there was a lot of talent in the draft at the position last year in terms of rookies coming into the league. Like it was a big tight end year, if yep. you will. Um, I've listened to Field on this show say that th there's not as much talent at the top in this year's class at Correct. the position. And the problem with these really talented tight ends is that they often land 
at bad teams. Mm -hmm. Laporta happened to land in a perfect, I mean, I think the Hawkins and Laporta trade basically, swap basically, um, worked out really well for both teams, right? But there was an immediate need. You knew what Laporta was going to do and you happened to catch fire with your Detroit Lions who were ascending, you know? And so I think that that was maybe... A little bit. It'll be interesting to see how the younger guys are in because I do have McBride and Kincaid. We're going to talk about Kittle a little bit later, which is I think Kincaid for me is the like, are you taking Kincaid ahead of Kittle? Of it Kittle. sounds like you are. Mm-hmm. But I know we'll talk about that. But I, it'll be interesting to see if the um, if the Sam Laporta showing makes people forget about the Kyle Pitts's lack of ROI. Oh, that's a good point. You know, because those guys, I mean, you can, if you got burned at the tight end position with a Kyle Pitts type of thing, you could be like, no, I'm, I'm just out on rookie tight ends or I'm out on young guys like that. And And it's Mark Andrews for me, or. I mean, Evan Ingram or, you know, one of those older guys, but yeah. Even Njoku is pretty high in some rankings. Mm -hmm. He's at like a top eight. I think we got a really solid top 10 of tight ends going into next year. It's way better than it, it has been. Uh, Speaking of pass catchers, though, Rasheed Rice, we did just mention him mm-hmm. about how he had been so good, especially the second half of the season. Even though Travis Kelsey came on, I have Rasheed Rice as a top 25 wide receiver going into next year. And I think that top 25 kind of feels like the floor. If he returns what he's doing, I think he's going to should take another step. Kind of depends on who else they add to that offense. That's something that I want to be able to see. But at least as a top 25 wide receiver for Rasheed Rice, and I think there's potential for top 15, depending on the kind of volume and target share that he gets. I want to know how you feel about Rasheed going into 2024 after his rookie season. So I don't disagree with anything you've said. And I think that top 25 is a floor. And I probably will have him ranked as a low-end wide receiver too. However, when you look at the amount of depth that we have at the position and I start giving you some names, are you really going to put him top 25? For instance, two will be sophomores, Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. They feel same class. Yep. Also some interesting offenses. Yep. Right. Are you thinking that you would put Rasheed Rice ahead of those guys? Because that's a decision we're all going to, those guys are all going to be clumped together and they're on hot offenses. And I mean, I would say that Flowers is probably the number one or the number two, but there's obviously some similarities between a healthy Mark Andrews and a Zay Flowers and a Rasheed Rice and a a Travis Kelsey. And then we know that Addison's probably going to be the number two or the number three, depending on Hawkinson's health in Minnesota. Obviously, uh, also there are question marks at quarterback in Minnesota, but three pretty ascendant offenses with, you know, you would, I would say that the play caller in Minnesota would make up for any discrepancy under center. But those three players could all be top 15, but are we really going to take them there? That's a great question. I would not take him top 15. No, I know. I mean, but like, the- so you he, understand the question, right? Because totally we're going to have the same speech for all three of these guys. And ultimately they can't all be in the top 25. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I am totally with you on that. The way that you broke it down kind of, I mean, it's a sort of exactly the way that okay. I see it, right? Zay Flowers. I really love Zay Flowers. I thought he did a really good job this awesome year. Awesome postseason performance. I mean, yes, some mental mistakes, but he was a rookie. Yes. He rose to the throw equation. Those, throw, the, throw like two plays out. By the Correct. end of his career, like we're not going to remember those specific individual single plays. So I really like Zay Flowers, but I do think from that perspective, Lamar did not throw as much as I had hoped he would based on what we had talked about um, in the coming into the season. Yes. And, okay. and also the Ravens are still a super, very run heavy team. And when Mark, Except Andrew, when they need it to be, well, that's a whole nother thing. Whole nother <laughs> okay. story. Yes, fine. Uh, but when Mark Andrews comes back, I mean, they showed ways that they still 
spread it around. OBJ and Rashad Bateman. We'll see what happens with Bateman there. And I, OBJ. I, I like Zay Flowers, but I think there are some reasons why I like Rasheed Rice a little bit more mm-hmm. because I think his tight end is not Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is still, you know, 28, 29, I believe. Um, well, he's more injury he's concerns more than Travis Kelsey, though. Um, uh, that's true. That's true. But if that happens, then I guess I feel like I would probably. OK, so he's 28 for what it's worth. All right. Um for what it's, I just like the idea of Rasheed Rice with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback with a, I don't want to say declining Travis Kelsey, but decline, like a declining Travis it. Kelsey. And You're going to be Jordan, fine, by the way. If I knew that Kirk Cousins was definitively coming back, yeah. I would feel a little bit better. But there is a part of that Jordan Addison conversation where you've still got to get through TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson before mm-hmm. he gets his looks. And so... As a part of that, for me, it kind of defaults more to Rasheed Rice. But but you're having the debate. Exactly. The point. Dude, and we could debate people from like 22 to 36. Five, yeah. yeah yes. and, and we're still in that same conversation. Yes. So, and Rasheed Rice is the last one we saw, which means he will be the first one drafted. Right. Because and that is the trend. So you are going to pay peak value for Rasheed Rice. That is going to be, he's going to be drafted at peak value and maybe it'll be worth it, but you're not getting a discount. Right. Not this year. Not this year. What about last one for the Chiefs? And then we can move on. Isaiah Pacheco. Woof, what a game. Solid. I mean, well. It started out rocky. It started out rocky. And not super great efficient, like efficiency He's never wise. never been, though. No. But he runs really hard. He's like a solid RB2 in fantasy. He's yeah, sure. A, you know, I, I don't really think, after watching him, not just this year, but in the Super Bowl, it's like his role is exactly what his role is for this Chiefs team. So a couple of things. We know that Andy Reid isn't afraid to lean on one primary ball carrier. Um, Pacheco's running style has always been more extra than economical. So you are not <laughs> leaning into efficiency no. with this particular running back. You're leaning into an incredible amount of volume and being attached to a Patrick Mahomes led offense. Yeah. Right. Which should help your efficiency a little bit. A little bit. Um, and there was some work in the receiving game, although Jarek McKinnon just returned for the Super Bowl. So I'm not quite sure. Again, there's a lot of question marks. What will happen in the future in terms of Pacheco's usage as a receiver more consistently, especially if they add different wide receivers into right. the core. Yeah. Um, but yes, I don't think you can ever draft him not as a wide receiver too. I mean, a running back too. I do think he is, again, because we saw him last, and even though he fumbled in the first quarter, going to end up probably a low-end RB1. Really? I think he'll probably land around 14, Okay. 12, Okay. but I think he's probably more of a 20. Okay. All right. So a low-end RB1, high-end RB2, mid to high-end RB2 is you also think- Also, though, here's the other thing. Are you taking Josh Jacobs over him? Dude. No, you're uh, not because of, of the mileage. It doesn't feel like it. No. So how many, like running backs are not great right now tight end like we talked about there's much more talent running back it's getting thinner and thinner are you taking Saquon Barkley let's say let's say the rumors are true and Saquon Barkley lands with the Chargers yeah pour one out for my buddy Eck yep okay are you taking Saquon Barkley ahead of Isaiah Pacheco because these again are the decisions that I think we're going to have to be making we are going to and that I think would elevate Pacheco into that top 14 space even if maybe the number crunchers don't think he belongs there yeah I think the idea of him being a, I mean, an RB2, if he's if he's running back 15, like that's a solid RB2. And I don't think that's at all out of the question with yeah. the way that he's utilized in this offense. Um, and the idea that when they bring him back next year, unless they decide they want to go out and grab somebody else, which they talked about this offseason. Yes. And they never really brought anyone else in. They just said it was CEH and him and, and Jarek McKinnon. It's just a big gamble to gamble only on volume. Because yeah. if you're gambling on opportunities, the powers that be can decide they want to change those stakes. Right? We did that. We did that this year with Alexander Madison, where we sure. were like, you know what? He's going to be the guy with Dalvin Cook gone that's going to get the volume here. And like, 
you hope that it works out. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put all that on Alexander, but sure. like that sometimes that's a situation where it's like you make that bet and it doesn't always pay off. Yeah. But um, you would imagine for the Super Bowl champions, this back to one back should Super Bowl be Jane, a little bit right? better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to say, you know, but yes, I'm with you on that one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. All right, let's talk about the 49ers here. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. Didn't throw an interception. That was mm -hmm. one of my props that popped. I'm really yeah. bummed it did not hit. I hit two of my three props, but Brock was really great all season long. 4,280 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I feel like we watched him become a guy that went from being in fantasy, a bi-week fill-in because he doesn't use his legs enough to we have to consider potentially him being a top 10 quarterback. Now I want to ask you, mm -hmm. There were only three quarterbacks inside the top 15 this year that didn't have at least 10% of their fantasy points come from rushing. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Brock Purdy. So Purdy definitely has more wheels than Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. I don't want to make that mistake because we've watched him run. He just doesn't do it a whole lot. He doesn't do the, it, though. The cast around him is so good. And he only runs when the 49ers are in trouble. Correct. In those two close three-point postseason efforts, yeah, he's taken off. And even towards the end, when you saw him running here in the Super Bowl, I don't know why I keep motioning to the screen. To, to the screen where I watched us, yeah. the game. So it was watching. I was watching it here for anyone who's watching on our YouTube channel. I don't want to do that. Anyway, um, but here's a stat. Over four, all four of the 40, 49ers regular season losses, Purdy averaged 21 rushing yards per game. In the losses. In the losses. Okay. So are you betting that Kyle Shanahan is going to hold on to a winning record. Cause then I, then I am not putting much stock into Purdy's rushing ability. Again, we are remembering what we saw last. And this is one of those things where it's like, he does have the ability to run, but because of the way that they doesn't utilize, need his, he doesn't, doesn't need, need to do it. So all that being said, we don't often put non rushing quarterbacks inside the top five. Would you have Brock Purdy as nah. a top five, top seven quarterback? No, he's not in my top 10. He's not a top 10 quarterback. No, I'm for probably going to squeeze Justin Fields. Okay. Um, we'll see. There's a Chicago. lot that we got to figure out but there, too. Has the mobility. Yes. So, like, I'll have Justin Fields ahead of him. I'll probably, to be honest, put Trevor Lawrence. Like, you're asking me off the cuff. And so, so I'm, totally. just, I'm just being honest with what I'm in early. right now, we right? Got like, so much stuff. I'll probably rank Trav, uh, Trevor Lawrence ahead of Brock Purdy. Okay. Um, I just don't. I just don't see Brock Purdy being lit enough consistently for me to count on him as a top 10 option. It's like, he kind of is like, kind of like Tua. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's you fair. Know? Tua would be another one of these but guys. Tua, and, and Tua has all of these incredible weapons. So I don't know. 
I also think that I'm going to have to look at schedule. The mm -hmm. 49ers are going to have a tough schedule. They, they they will. This is one of the things about Brock too, is like, he's pretty efficient. Yeah. Three to one, basically three, one touchdown to interception ratio. But when you have the greatest running back in the game, as you are running back, uh, there is a part of your passing game that is inherently going to be impacted because some of those goal line touchdowns, we know he's not going to be the one rushing them in. Right. Correct. And so if CMC scores 16 touchdowns again this year on the ground, not like a receiving touchdown, mm -hmm. that just inherently limits the guy's volume that isn't also a runner because right. he's not able to make it up from there. So I, I think Brock, I, I'm curious the way that the industry is going to fall. Because given all of the things that we see, I wonder if they're going to put him in the 9, 10, 11 range. And I, I think he'll probably fall 9 to, nine to 11. And I probably will have I him like, like him 12, 12 to 14. Yeah, Liz, why yeah. are we we're just like, we we're see like the, the smartest. The same. That's what it is. Because we're both from the Midwest. I love you. Yeah, that's it. That's what it is. Uh, let's talk about CMC real quick. He's sure. the number one overall pick going into next season. Is there anything else that you want to add? <laughs> no, I mean, okay. he recorded 160 <laughs> yards. He's so good. Super Bowl. The, the only thing you need to know about CMC is that he is the unicorn situation in which opportunity and efficiency smash together. Yes. Yep. And uh, congratulations, it doesn't exist anywhere else in nature. He breaks all models and everything that like we look at other running backs. He is the clear de facto number one and everyone else is just fighting He's for second like place. He's not even a running back anymore though. And I think we're going to have to have this conversation about running backs moving forward because of the evolution of the position and the game. He is an offensive weapon. And I know a lot of people are like, oh gross, she said offensive weapon, wide back. Eh. Like Christian McCaffrey should not I don't know what his contract is. I don't have it up in front of me. You shouldn't get paid like a running back. Thank I'll you. Tell you that. And I have a I'm feeling that these running backs who are doing more than, you know, just just north, south, ham and eggers mm -hmm. are going to start asking for a little bit of wide receiver money. They they with the way that they catch passes, well, they should. Receivers, yes. So like, yes. I think about that same thing when you look at a guy like Jameer Gibbs and we can have this other, you know, but like guys that, or Brees Hall. Uh, you know, Brees had so many, so much usage in the passing game as a part mm -hmm. of that. You're not just getting work between the tackles. So when you touch the ball that much, I want to be compensated. How come when the wide receiver touches the ball 130 times a yeah. game or 130 times a season, I touch the ball 450 times a season. This is, so this is interesting. And I think it'll help move into the next player we're going to talk about. Uh, when I, so I was at the Super Bowl when the Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals. What okay. was that like three years ago now? Mm -hmm. yep. um, I know it was in those COVID years, so it's all sort of a blur. Anyway, I sat down with Debo Samuel during Radio Row and uh, there was a lot of talk about him being used as a quote wide back, right? Mm -hmm. And he looked me dead in the eye with his earrings that had more sparkle in them than like my, en my entire jewelry box. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said to me, uh, no, I'm a wide receiver. And I was like, and do you want to explain to why? everybody why that is? And he was like, mm, he just lent money. Money, yeah. So like Debo Samuel does not want to be considered a wide back. No. He wants to be considered a wide receiver for this exact reason. Absolutely. I'm fully on that train for what it's worth. When running backs touch the ball that much, it's not just touching the ball, but if, especially if you're using the passing game. Come on, man. And we with more and more offensive coordinators modeling college schemes, that is only going to be more the norm, more the rule than the exception. Agreed. Looking at these 49ers pass catchers, you've got Ayuk, you've got yep. Debo, who mm -hmm. you just mentioned, and George Kittle. All all three of them kind of 49ered. Like we yeah, use that as I have as, that in my notes. Yeah. Right? Like it, this was just one of those games where unfortunately it was the Super Bowl, but it was like none of them really stepped up to be the guy. Like it, it, they just all were sort of guys here. Usually we see one of them, right? Mm -hmm. But in this situation, Debo felt like the one they tried to get involved well, more often than not. Well, the hamstring issue certainly hampered help. him. And then it was Juwan yeah. Jennings' time. Yeah. Which, by the way, 
Shout out to Juwan Jennings <laughs> stepping up in a big way in big the Super spot, Bowl. Yeah. yeah, shout out to him. Uh, when you look at these wide receivers, these pass catchers in general, going into next season, mm -hmm. anything changed from the way that you looked at him this year? Did, did the way that Brock Purdy performed change the way that it's like you would enhance them or anything like that? Or I think we learned a lesson about George Kittle, which was, and I, I had a feeling this was going to happen in props to Mike Clay, who uses this phrase about touchdown regression all the time. But Kittle, you know, this last year he had four or fewer catches over 11 of 16 regular season games. Four, four or, or fewer. fewer. Right? So that's not a lot of grabs. Yes. And he, his prop for the Super Bowl entered at over under three and a half. I took the over on that for what it was worth, assuming that Legereus Sneed would shadow Brandon Ayuk and, you know, Chris Jones would be breathing down Brock Hurdy's neck and there'd be opportunities over the middle for him to emerge as a safety valve. Did happen that way. Well, but the Chris Jones thing happened, but the rest sure, of it did not. Sure, Chris yeah. Jones in a contract year we should have <laughs> known in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, you know, mess with that. Um, but anyway, um, in 2022, George Kittle recorded 11 scores. So even though he wasn't averaging a ton of receptions, wow. they were he was so dominant in the red area of the field that his overall numbers were inflated. That was 2022. Okay. But in 2023, that number dipped. And I think he only had six touchdowns, so almost halved, which now we're like, oh, well, why wasn't George Kittle as good? Well, his volume was pretty much the same in terms of grabs. It's just that those grabs weren't high value anymore. Right. And so- I think we learned a lesson about that. It, something, it can also be said for, for Debo because Debo averaged under six targets per game, which was the wide receiver 44. Wide receiver 44, catches per game, Debo Samuel. You are not imagining that, right? But um, he was the wide receiver nine in yards after the catch and the wide receiver four in touchdowns with 12. Oh, so did Kittle and Debo swap mm -hmm. in terms of their red zone conversion usage? Yeah, but you can you rely on that? No. And Ayuk, I mean, Ayuk's just like used in a different way, right? That's he's the, he doesn't get a ton of opportunities. He's also probably around four catches per game, but they're deep balls. Sometimes it's four right? for 115 and two touchdowns. His ADOT is wild. Right, exactly. This is one of the hardest things about this, this offense because Brock Purdy feels like he spreads it around to whoever the defense gives him in that game. And it's not like there is a Justin Jefferson that's going to get force fed 14 DJ targets Moore a game. Or something, yeah. Right. So, so when you're in this situation with the way that it works, you know, I, I would have. Go ahead. I would have uh, coming into the season would have rather had Brandon Ayuk than Debo Samuel. They finished right next to each other. And I, I don't see a reason, especially with the way that they use Debo, even though he didn't run as much this year, I don't think that's going to change, but it's, it's just going to reiterate the same thing that Mike and Field and Stefania and you and I talked about every single week here, whereas this is what the 49ers are going to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your guy will go off and the other two are going to be silent. Sometimes it's going to be one of the other guys that goes off and you got to take a four point performance. That is rostering and starting 49ers pass catchers. Your hope is that the 49ers lose more games. Yes. So they have to play from behind uh -huh. and they've got to do more That's of that. It. And even then CMC is still going to be just as valuable because you still get the passing game work. Right. That's right. So yeah, I think we all just want the 49ers to lose more Liz. Thank you yeah. for that. Um, don't right. tell Stefania. Well, I said that. Not, oh I God, wasn't me. No. I was just Has anyone off. checked on That's, her by the way? I'm sure she's. I did not. She had an entire amazing week out in Las Vegas. She did. I'm she sure she's incredible by oh the way. Gosh, her fits always. were fire nonstop. I was all over her Instagram. Yeah. So Shout good. out to Stefania. Uh, that was it. That was a Super Bowl last night. Shout out to the fact that there was a last football game we're going to oh, watch man. for a while until the UFL starts. Okay. Right? Sure. Yay. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. This will be uh, 
I'll tell you what, this is the part of the off season. All right, now it starts. Everybody breathes a little bit. We take two weeks of like, it's okay. I'm okay with that two weeks without football. Mm -hmm. And then you start jonesing. Now it's like, let me talk free agency. Now I got to, I got to talk free agency. I got to start looking at the draft. Right. I got to start doing, and, and that's where we're going to start diving in, which is where we're going to go next, Liz Loza, mm -hmm. because you and I are going to do a mock draft way too early mock draft oh, okay. of the 2024 season. We're only going to do the first round. We'll do the first 10 to 12 picks. How does okay. that sound? All right. And uh, again, I've done this with Stefania last couple of shows. We did this with Mike uh, a couple of shows ago as well. Uh, just to make sure everyone is aware. This is way too early. We have coaches that are changing places. We have offensive coordinators that have changed teams. We have free agency that still has to happen. We have draft picks that still need to happen. So all of this is just a, we want to have a fun conversation about guys that we saw towards the end of the season, excuse me, guys that we saw all season long. Now that we're at the end of the season, how will we look to them for 2024? So all things being said, mm -hmm. I feel like I stole your first pick because it's CMC. I, I said it should be, yeah, he's the 1.01, <laughs> but I want to give you the first pick. Okay. So do you want to go a different direction? Or no, 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 you take it. I mean, we, and for the people, we should all be okay. transparent about who we ever, who everyone believes is going to be the overall number. One. I think that Christian McCaffrey is Correct. the clear 1.01, especially at the running back position. When we talked about it. wide receiver is as deep as it gets, although the top of that position is still unbelievably good. But the gap between the top of the wide receiver position and the other wide receivers and Christian McCaffrey to the rest of the running backs, it's just too big. So you got to go CMC one. That's it. End okay. of story. Yes. Who are you going with number two? I'm not going with a running back. Me either. I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, off, off that. <laughs> um, I think now I have Mike Clay's rankings up right okay. now, but I'm, I'm going to veer from them. I'm not yes. just going to do what yes. Mike Clay and his giant calculator box and brain yep. have told us to do. And I really like the idea of Justin Jefferson <laughs> at the number two spot. I like the idea of him obviously coming off of an injury and disappointing and sure there are volume sure there are volume questions about Jordan Addison that we just mentioned and TJ Hawkinson and the quarterback I don't care mm -hmm. I think I think he is him I'm with and you. him is hungry enough yes coming back I'm, I'm 100% regardless of who the quarterback is for that team there is one wide receiver that you're going to force feed the ball to. Yeah. And, and that's what the coach is going to say to whoever comes into that yeah. offense. So I'm with you. Justin Jefferson would have been not, my number two pick as well. If I'm picking at three, mm -hmm. I'm going CeeDee Lamb. Yep. He was just too good. 135 catches, almost 1,800 yards, 12 touchdowns. The idea, 12 receiving touchdowns, plus he had two rushing touchdowns. Average 23.7 fantasy points per game. The way that Dak Prescott looked for him and the way he was utilized within this Cowboys offense, they threw the ball a ton. Tony Pollard in the running game really struggled this year. One mm -hmm. of the things I'm going to look at for 2024, how is that offense going to change with that running back position? And are we going to find some new ways to be able to manufacture touches or matriculate the ball down the field? Mm -hmm. But right now, way too early, CeeDee Lamb, my number three overall pick. So this, I think it gets a little interesting here because... If I am picking fourth now, right? Yep. I'm probably still going to lean on a wide receiver, mm -hmm. but this is where I might start being a little torn about, oh, uh, I, I think CeeDee Lamb and to me, CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson are like absolute top three picks. That's, that's the way they're coming off the board. Yep. Um, you can flip flop those receivers. I think ev most every draft in America that is a regular draft at the start of the year will probably be the top three players that we just picked. Yes, I agree. But now... I'm interested in Tyreek Hill, mm -hmm. but he has managed 119 receptions in back-to-back -back yeah. seasons. Exactly. Yep. 
and over 1,700 yards yep. in back-to-back seasons. Now, his touchdowns were inflated. We know that Jalen Waddell struggled a little bit this yes. season. So that might be part of it. If I am looking for consistency, I think Tyreek Hill, frankly, for fantasy purposes, not as a player, they have different skill sets. Please don't come at me with your tape grinding. <laughs> I know what a route is. Um, I think Tyreek Hill for me is now what Stefan Diggs was in terms of fantasy consistency two years ago. Okay. Just the ability to produce. Yep. That's it. And even though he does not have Josh Allen at his avail, he does have Mike McDaniel. Yeah. And they're still going to find ways, like I said before, to manufacture touches, yep. to get the ball in his hands. I'm not sure that there is a more explosive player in the game today, even with add another year yeah. to it and all of Mike Clay's ageism and all of that stuff. Like it doesn't make a difference. I think he's still the most explosive player in the NFL. Uh, tough for me to say someone other than Tyreek Hill at right. four. I, I just think if I'm I'm drafting four, yeah. I'm going to go with a wide receiver still. Also, I understand that his touchdowns were like maybe inflated, inflated. but like, do you think that Cow- Dolphins running backs are going to have like 27 rushing touchdowns? Did I say Cowboys? Did I? Maybe I was just thinking Cowboys mad. Do you think Dolphins running backs are going to have 27 rushing touchdowns again this year? Like Raheem Mostert was way in over yeah. his head in the rushing touchdown department. I think that's right? a really good point. Um, so like if we find a way that it comes back to earth a little bit, either the Dolphins are scoring less or they're having to play from behind because their running backs aren't scoring an astronomical amount of rushing yeah. touchdowns. That that all tracks. I'm trying to look up um, where Tyreek Hill finished in terms of wide receivers on the season in 2022. Since he had basically, if you don't look at the touchdowns, he was the wide receiver three overall in 2022 with only how many touchdowns? Seven with seven touchdowns receiving scores. And in 2023, he was the wide receiver two overall with 13. Yes. With 13. 13. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, he's a top five guy. He's, he's so pretty like, good. If we get another 119 catches and 1700 yards, even if the touchdowns regress from 13 to what eight, yeah, he's still going to be a top five receiver. Well, and he's one of those guys too, that because he feels like he has such a, he has such a safe floor. There'll be a couple of weeks. He may have a couple oh, of, you know, we have a down game, but like that, but his floor is so good. And his ceiling is as good as it yeah. gets in the NFL. I'm not sure there's a wide receiver higher ceiling than Tyreek Hill. Who are you taking fifth? Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Brees Hall. Oh, you're going to do it. I'm okay. going to the running back position. Yeah. In I part, think this is where you swerve. I agree. This is where I looked at the wide receivers that were available. I, I think that there's a plenty plenty of guys that are still available that I like. Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. a couple of guys there. But for me, Brees Hall and the usage that he got this year, not just in the ground game, but as a pass catcher, mm-hmm. was unbelievable. And he did that. No offense to Zach Wilson, but with a 
no quarterback under center that's going to lead their team. Like next year, if Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback for an entire season, uh-huh. both Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson should look astronomically different, different than they did this year. And Brees Hall already looked in the second half of the season because we were all talking about the Dalvin Cook thing and how much is it going to impact Brees. It, like he, he wasn't even a part of the team. Brees just took over. So I don't know how I go a different direction because I think even though CMC is a clear number one, Brees, it's Brees and another guy. I know who the other guy is. That, that's just yeah. nonstop volume for those guys. So Brees Hall was the RB6 overall in fantasy this year yep. without Aaron Rodgers or Garrett Wilson's without a potential competent being offense, unlocked. To Correct. be honest. Right. There was a volume issue there though, right? Like some, yeah. of, some of that was, was volume. So, but I think that if you are going to draft Brees Hall in the top five, top six, you're going to have to buy into an improvement of efficiency in yep. the offense. Yep. And and so it's what story are you going to tell yourself? Like yep. all of these are like you have to you have to kind of make a choice about your ending place in order to inform your beginning. I'm going to hope that the Jets realize with Aaron Rodgers coming off of his injury, they need to invest heavily in that offensive line to both protect Aaron Rodgers and take advantage of their young running back asset, who was so unbelievably good. Write a letter, Dop. So I am going to, that's exactly what I'm going to (laughs) do on behalf of all fantasy managers everywhere. This is going to benefit us. It benefits you. Here's all the reasons why we should make this happen. All right. Sixth pick, Liz Loza. Where are you Um, going? So there are a pair of running backs that I'm interested here, but I'm still going to go with the wide receiver. Another one. Because I feel like Jamar Chase is sliding. And it's, again, this burnt factor. Joe Burrow, the Bengals sucked. He started the season with the calf. If T. Higgins is out, I'm even, I mean, that doesn't hurt Jamar Chase. I think he's obviously a good enough wide receiver that he can beat double coverage. And the volume would be incredible. So I would rather take a wide receiver at, I think, a value at, at number six than maybe one of these running backs that can be a little bit sus because I, I think I know which running back you're going to take. There's either a new play caller or yeah. a name that is fairly new and there hasn't been a lot of, um, I mean, the season was sort of the moment he proved himself. Right, right. And I'm going to guess you're going... Well, with which co- with which I'm not, I'm not going to go with a running back here at six. You're go, you're staying at wide receiver. I'm going to stay at wide so receiver. So Brees Hall is the that this is important I think to reiterate. Brees Hall so far is the only running back outside of CMC that we have chosen chosen in the top seven at this point. Correct. Okay. Correct. And there is another running back I think is there, but I like this other wide receiver more. And you guys can tell me that you think I'm ridiculous in this pick. Oh, I know. What you're but doing. I got to take Amon Ross St. Brown at at, at okay. seven. Like he. The volume in this offense. The sure. Lions had a top five offense, right? And yes. Jared Goff is not going anywhere. Their offensive coordinator is not going anywhere. They're bringing back both their running backs and their tight end and the majority of their offensive line in an, in a league where so many teams have so many moving parts they got to figure out mm-hmm. in between seasons. The Lions have so few to deal with. And Amon Ross St. Brown, already a superstar, I think taking a not just another step, but the idea, we I talked about it with Mike Clay. He is so... It's so much volume and there is still room to unlock touchdowns. He is not utilized in the painted area. He does not get red zone, excuse me, end zone targets. A lot of his touchdowns. Well, that's the Laporta factor. And that is a part of that. So yeah. if there is a way that they can still find ways, there is a little bit to unlock with Amon Ross St. Brown. But I just think the floor, again, the yeah, floor that's my is Jamar so Chase. consistent. It's the, the Jamar. I think you're getting him at a discount too, because yep. let's be honest right now, people are like uh, Bijan. 
I think I would like to take Bijan because obviously if Arthur Smith is out, that means that we can unleash Bijan. We should be Bijan, able to trust him, right? Right? Like we saw all of the reasons we drafted him right here last year mm-hmm. are now relevant in a real way. Yep. And so that we know the talent is there. We know that the multidimensionality of his skill set is available. Wow. Right. Well, I mean, I had to give uh, him one. A, a little one. polysyllabic. That was good. A little, a little, a little, a little, a happy 2024. Um, uh. So we know that the skill set is available. We just need to see. We just need to see it actually on the play sheet. Yes. You know, that's it. Like, I, I, it feels like it feels like in this situation, we can't go through another season like we just did. So understand. What did I just pick? Seven? I think I just had the seventh pick. So now, so we're yeah, at now you're eight. at pick eight. You took Bijan yeah. at eight. Okay. All right. Then for me, it is the other clear running back that I think has mm-hmm. the backfield all to himself. And this one is Kyron Williams. Mm-hmm. So utilized in the passing game, clearly the guy that Matthew Stafford is looking for. If you have to dump off and the one guy that Sean McVay trusts to mm-hmm. be able to touch the ball. It's like there isn't a second running back in all honesty. When I look at the workhorse running backs in the NFL, Kyron Williams is one of the few that exist. So in spite of the fact he's not CMC, too much volume, touches the ball too much. And that offense is still good enough to move down the field. He's going to get in the end zone. I like Kyron Williams there, so I would take him. And this is also, I think, the point in the drafts where things start to get a little bit sus, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, You th- can make some different decisions here and be like, I tell me why you think it's sus, though. Because I like to me, what do we just take? Four, four running backs in the top? We took three. Three running backs in the top eight? And Yeah, and four or wide nine. receivers, right? Yep. Um, so now the wide receivers that we have that are kind of in this range, we have um, A.J. Brown. Yep. Is, would be the next. The next guy. Big guy, yep. right? I, I don't know if I want to take A.J. Brown here, but crowding all around him mm-hmm. are a bunch of running backs, and these running backs don't have definitive volume like the three that we mentioned. And I know that Bijan Robinson is a little bit of a leap of faith because it's what we're expecting and not what we've, not what the data has borne out. Correct. Um, so, you know, here we have Jameer Gibbs. We have Travis Etienne. I think I might take Travis Etienne over Jameer Gibbs. Really? I do. Because again, I would like, okay. I've seen the evolution of his skill set, particularly over the last year. Uh-huh. Down the stretch, you could see the fatigue set in. That entire offense started to sputter um, about mid-season, I'd say. But Travis Etienne has evolved his skill set. This was a guy who came out of college and we were anticipating at his ceiling to be Alvin Kamara-esque. And yet over the first few years of his career was not utilized as a pass catcher to the level that we were anticipating he would be because of what we saw in college. Year one was just well. Like, let's that throw was that Urban one out. Meyer, I mean, right? yeah, okay, correct. thank you. All right. So, but we were thinking like, oh, Travis Etienne, Alvin Kamara at his ceiling. Like, the, we know what we're going to get at with this guy. We weren't getting yeah. it, but then this year we did see those pieces of him fold in and work together. I think overall we felt a little bit burnt by Jacksonville's offense because the Calvin Ridley piece didn't come into focus mm. because Trevor Lawrence didn't take the leap because Trevor Lawrence is still a young guy who I think is afraid to squeeze the ball into tight windows and like maybe has some trust issues deep. Anyway, that all worked to Travis Etienne's benefit. Yeah. And and has always, by the way, been a yeah. security blanket for Trevor Lawrence. So I will take the floor, especially at a position like running back, over the ceiling that Gibbs offers, even with his incredible efficiency and explosiveness. Well, part of that is because he is splitting the backfield with another right. guy that gets a lot of touches in David Montgomery. So in that's, the red area. If you if you take and I do love that the Lions aren't afraid to give Jameer Gibbs goal line touches. It's not just like you get inside the five. Okay. This is only David Montgomery territory. Like they're, they're okay to give 
Yeah, they don't make touches. their offense wildly predictable. Like, well, it's yeah. almost oh, like you should nice. try to trick the defense. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but with what you're saying there, I, I think there is a part of that where this season I was hoping to see, like we had talked about, I was hoping to see Trevor Lawrence take that step, which mm-hmm. you just said he didn't take. Part of that was going to be Christian Kirk, who had already looked good the year before. Let's see him do it again another season. And he was fine. And then let's see what Calvin Ridley looks like. And that wasn't as good as what we had hoped. It was really Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram. And those were the two guys that really Kirk flourished. Kirk had some injury in issues, this. I think, yes, he that, did. that affected his overall production. But yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see, because I, I, I totally get and can buy into the idea of if you've got both of these running backs, Jameer Gibbs and Travis Etienne side by side, one of them just has a clearer path to touches in their offense than the other one. And I think that is Travis Etienne, in spite of the fact that I love Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I just, who do you think you're, you're actually starting your lineup now? All of the names on the draft sheet are no longer surrounding your player's name. It's just his name. Yep. And every week you're starting Jameer Gibbs as your RB1. That to me feels a little like, oh, I'm going to crush some weeks and then I'm going to get crushed other weeks. Because you might, there is going to be that week where it's a two touchdown or three touchdown game for David Montgomery and mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs doesn't get those works. Or, like, that's a part of it. So I, I, I totally hear you. I'm fine to make that decision. Concession? Yeah, okay. that's, I'm good with that. So who are you taking? Then are you taking Jameer Gibbs here? Oh. I love when he gives a little winky. I don't know. I think I'm going to go a different route. Okay. I think I'm going to go a different route. And I could go AJ Brown because we did talk about yes. him as the pass catcher, but I'm going to go with the, uh, I don't know. You can't really say post type sleeper post injury hype sleeper Okay, with Garrett Wilson, because oh, in girl. getting a quarterback back, everything that Garrett Wilson should yeah. be able to be within this offense, he should be like, there isn't another wide receiver that I'm super worried about taking major, mm-hmm. major looks away mm-hmm. from that. So if, again, I believe that Brees Hall is going to be that guy, part point. of that narrative, then I think that Garrett Wilson, especially with the way that Aaron Rodgers talked about him coming into this season, about, you know, he is the guy. Mm-hmm. I think that this could be a step where potentially, I don't want to say discount, but I think that it's going to be good value on getting a guy that was not as good this year. And has good upside. Not to his own year. doing. No, 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 not because of Gary Wilson. Yeah. Nope. Um, and I don't want to say value because I'm still drafting him at the end of the first round, but like we drafted him at the end of the first round this year and it didn't. Well, it's, pay a, off. it's the same argument as Bijan, right? It's the same, it's the same strategy. It's going to get better. Has to get better. Yeah, it right? has to get better. We know the talent is there. We've seen him overcome in ridiculous situations that he shouldn't have been put in. And so if he has a quarterback, then why wouldn't he go where he went last year? It's and, the same. Part of that is the idea of like, and I totally get the idea of wanting to take AJ Brown because AJ Brown put together like a historic run in the beginning of this season in 2023, but Jalen hurts losing Kelsey um, under center. Do we know that's official? No, not officially official, but like it feels official. And the idea that there's still Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I think there's more opportunities to be able to spread the ball around there. I like the idea that Garrett Wilson seems like the de facto guy. And I don't think that that's going to impact him. It's not like teams are just going to lock in and he's not going to get targeted. Like Aaron Rodgers, just like he did with Devontae Adams, is going to find ways to make sure that Garrett Wilson has the ball in his hands. I don't disagree that Garrett Wilson has the higher upside. I think you're right. And I stand corrected that I would probably take Garrett Wilson over AJ Brown. I agree. Look at that. You, you, you changed my mind. Well, because if I have to employ the same argument for Bijan, then I have to, I agree with you. It's the same as Garrett Wilson. So you're right. I take him there too. Appreciate that. Um, I will say though, that now here I am taking EJ Brown. You are doing it. Yes, I do. Because again, first of all, I love his passion. 
and his passion after oh, the catch. Yeah. I love him on social media. I like rooting for him. That is going to be a factor for me here. Did you see, by the way, when he tweeted about Travis Kelsey giving the ick a little bit to yeah. Andy Reid, like getting real hot mm-hmm. in his ear? AJ Brown, I believe, uh, tweeted, if I did that, I'd be uh-huh. in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Those weren't his exact words. <laughs> um, um, but I, I really appreciate this man's passion. You make a great point about the team's, you know, future Hall of Fame center being absent. Um, I wonder how that's going to impact Jalen Hurts. If I'm no jokes, is like totally being honest. Jalen Hurts had 13 rushing touchdowns this season mm-hmm. and 11 of them were a tush push. I went through and watched all of them. Oh, good for you. So doing the work. If 11 of his 13 rushing touchdowns was that one yard play that a lot of, I feel like we've attributed a lot of that to the offensive line and Kelsey mm, yeah. specifically. Yes. Is that something that is going to continue? And, and maybe it does. And there is no fall off whatsoever but I at least have to think about that there might be. And if there is that fall off, does that mean that some of those rushing touchdowns that would have gone to Hertz easy at the goal line gets distributed elsewhere or are they not scoring touchdowns? So that's part of this where it's like, I'm not, which that's a good question. I, my immediate thought was less the backfield because it's, it doesn't seem like it would be the right. Yeah. Um, would be Dallas Goddard. Yeah. Well, either him or AJ Brown, because I think they're both huge red zone tight. It's not Devontae Smith. Is, no, is, no, no. And AJ Brown's touchdowns receded from 11 in 2022 to seven. So not much of a reduction. And he did clear 1,400 receiving yards in okay. back to back years. Um, more catches this year. So he wasn't like, obviously, his uh, A dot decreased a little bit, his YPR decreased a little bit. He had over 100 catches this year for. 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. 2022, he had 88 grabs for nearly 1,500 yards on 11. So there was a little bit of a regression. But again, I'm looking at floor here and I'm looking at passion and I don't think this is a player who like lets up. No, I am totally with you. And if Hertz is struggling like you're positing, then there should be more volume Are we playing from behind potentially? A little bit more. Got it. Right. So there's certainly reason to be able to look at some of that. I am curious. Now, I want to see this. When you look at his red zone looks, specifically this year, what is it that he had as far as red zone looks? Because that's one of the things that I think is so interesting to me when you have a wide receiver like that. Um, and maybe it's not. Maybe we'll find out that it's not as big of a deal. Oh, I can't look at it here. I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I'll look at it up and put it on, on Twitter. We'll find out what those he had red zone 18 were. red zone touches this year and 16 in 2022. So, in fact, two more. Okay. All right. Well, then you red know he's getting yeah. utilized. So, yes, there are at least some questions. Are we through the entire first round of the mock draft? The way too early 2024 mock draft? I believe I, we might have done 11. We, we might have done oh, we 11. did a full 12 there. Interesting. Uh, we did not draft. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor and Jameer Gibbs both did not come off the board. Uh, or Saquon Barkley. Or Saquon. Let's like take a look oh, back whoa, at the top six look here. At Number one, CMC. Number two, Justin Jefferson. Then CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Brees Hall, and Jamar Chase. Those are the top six going back and forth. And then seven through 12, Amon Ross St. Brown, Bijan Robinson, whose headshot still doesn't fit in the frame because <laughs> his hair is just too so iconic. Uh, then you got Kyron Williams, Travis Etienne Jr., Garrett Wilson, and A.J. Brown. That is our top 12. Liz, that went fast. I, I did go fast. Let's look back at the very last mock draft for 2023. How much have things changed from the very last mock draft that we did heading into this season? We had Justin Jefferson, number one, Jamar Chase, two, Tyreek Hill, three, McCaffrey, four. Those are the same. Like, you're really close. Chase is a little the bit. order, yeah. Eckler is the big one that falls out of there mm-hmm. at five. And Travis Kelsley does not make his way in at 
at the top ten. Where do you position. think even Sam Laporte is not going to go? I don't think a tight end is no. going to go before the before the third, third round. round. Yep, yep. I, that's that's where he should probably be. Derrick Henry, first round. Look at this second half of the first round. Derrick Henry wow. that fell off. Cooper Cup unfortunately had some struggles. Devontae Adams as well. Bijan Robinson, not his fault, but nope. did not get the production we were looking for. Stephon Diggs, not the same guy. Well, and he's the same guy. The play caller's not the same guy. There you guy. go. That's the right way to say that. There Thank you, go. you, Liz. And then Nick Chubb unfortunately get hurt. The second half of this first round, honestly. I mean, you look at basically picks five, six, seven through twelve. Like that's that whole last bit. Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey through twelve. Everybody there mm-hmm. is different than what we Basically just drafted for way too early 2024. Can we ask our producer where Garrett Wilson went on that mock? Was he outside then of the top 12? Maybe he was like number 14. Oh, he he might have been. And I would assume that because of the way that Mike was so in on Garrett yeah, Wilson. It, on the I mean? turn, anytime he was like on a, you knew in the turn on the top of the second, he was going to snipe you. So don't even let him fall. Right. It's like if you Mike has settle picked for 12, Amon Ross St. Brown instead. Oh, that was like settle the, for no, but that, but that was always, I was like, well, I know I'm not going to get Garrett Wilson because on the second round, I'm going to pick after Clay. Yeah. So I'm going to slot in and target St. Brown, which by the way, I'm happy to do. Yeah. Wasn't upset about it. Not upset at all. By the way, I'm also, we, I, there was a lot of conversations in, Last year, coming into the season, Chris Olave had a really good rookie year, too. It wasn't just Garrett Wilson. I was excited to see him hopefully take the next step as well. Didn't quite see it as much, unfortunately. Part of that is the offense and the quarterback position there. So another one of those young rookie guys that I think, again, we got a lot of wide receiver position. It's so deep. There's just so many guys to be able to root for and be excited Mm -hmm. about. Uh, And all it's going to do is inflate numbers. Oh, yeah. Right? Like that, that there's just going to be more and more stats available at higher, higher values. Um, and you're going to be splitting hairs. Yeah. That's a, I feel like, I feel like wide receiver is as deep as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Tight end is as deep as it's ever been from a fantasy perspective mm-hmm. right now. Running back feels as thin as it's ever been, at least the top of the running back. Sure. room. Um, and then quarterback, honestly, like it's, it's tough because it, you know, you've got a good handful that top five, six feels pretty solid. Like you get all the way through, you know, burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. CJ Stroud. And then you've got like CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Justin Herbert, Herbert, like Trevor Lawrence. Like there's still some really good young guys there. Justin Fields. Kyler Murray. Like there's there's still a lot to potentially unlock. Oh, and by the way, we've got like maybe four awesome quarterbacks that are coming out of this draft. I know every year we always have quarterbacks. Well, and then CJ Stroud does the thing that nobody thought that he would do because he wasn't the mobile guy. Right. <laughs> right. Like that's not what he was a statue in college, right? Or that was that some was what of the, they had said. Yeah. Right. The scouts were using Dude, those terms. He looks so good. Anyways, lot to be excited about. Way too early mock draft. We're going to do way more of the way more. We're going to do a ton more of these uh, as we get into the off season. This will be a lot of fun. Liz, I'm sorry that we didn't get to hang out no, while you were here. We didn't. I apologize that's about okay. that. Well, you went and adopted two puppies. Am I I allowed to say that? I did. That is a thing that happened. So we'll have to figure some things out now. I got to find some names for some things. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that works. You just have a contest in the chat. That's not a bad I don't know if Rosie will like that. Sorry, Rosie. I didn't want to like, no, Rosie's like, that's cool. I had the dog's name. I had him picked out. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a ton of fun though. We will have you back hopefully soon. I don't know the next time you're going to be back here in Bristol, but we'll certainly, certainly see you on fingers crossed. I get out before the snow tonight. Yeah. We love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. We'll be back next week. We will have more off-season content. Now is when it starts. Make sure that you hang out with us. We're going to make sure we get you set up for the 2024-2025 fantasy season. It never starts too early. We love you guys. See ya. 
secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you, Alliance fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you. 